Dr. Tanya Hebert, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you too. Now, we met the other day. You were outside Waitrose in Stratford-on-Avon. You were with a, a group of people who were helping you out and looking for support for ambulance aid, urgent medical supplies to Ukraine. Just tell us a bit about how this sort of started off and how, where you are at the moment. Sure. So I'm part of an organisation called Medical Aid Ukraine, which is a UK-wide collaboration of doctors. We're working with certain charities like British Ukrainian Aid, um, and also we are working with um, NGOs in Ukraine and other charities based here in the UK. And I started off at the beginning of the war working with these people, trying to ask hospitals and GP surgeries for donations of medical supplies, which we know U Ukrainian doctors are lacking. Um, and um, the situation about what they need changes most weeks, so it's an ongoing process. But the one thing that we were asking for specifically was ambulances. So that was on the list that was desperately needed because they can save so many lives. Mm. Um, they can ferry people from, you know, um, uh, places that they've been bombs, uh, houses, uh, just houses destroyed. They can take civilians quickly to the hospitals mm. um, and can be used on the front line. And um, Alf Rakowski contacted me after seeing me on the TV back in March. Um, saying that um, he's got this idea that he wants to fundraise to buy us ambulances to send over to Ukraine if I can fill it with my medical supplies um, and he wanted also to buy an ambulance himself to start off the process to donate and um, that's how our ambulance aid was born mm. so they are a fantastic group of people all helping to raise this money to send us ambulances over. Because you're a practicing doctor yourself in Coventry. Yes I am that's right yes I'm a GP. And tell me a little bit about the background there and what this, what's sort of going on within the surgery. Are they helping you and backing you and supporting you? Oh, absolutely. They've been fantastic. So the local um, primary care network, which is a network of 10 surgeries, we run a vaccination centre. And actually for the first month, I was um, my premises were based there. They're not anymore, so I'm not there anymore. But um, uh, that was a great sort of starter for, for, for me to, to start packing the boxes. And they donated a lot of their stock um, at the time. So it was um, needles, syringes, that kind of stuff that they had um, to help me. So, um, yeah. Yeah, they've been fantastic. What about doctors, surgeries and also the, the medical profession within Ukraine itself? I mean, how are they coping and what are you getting back as a feedback from them? So there's a lot of mixed stories depending on where they are. So people in the east and in on the front line in hospitals are struggling, you know. So a lot of um, aid work is not able to get out there. So um, let's say especially the larger charities are just saying it's not safe enough and they're not going out there, so they're getting nothing. The people that are getting through are small NGOs, small volunteer groups which don't have a great presence, you know. You NGO being? Um, Non-government organization um, so just groups that have got together since the war um, they haven't got a great o online presence they're not getting tons and tons of money like you know the big charities maybe um, but they can get this stuff out there and the photos that they're sending me the stories they're sending me are just dire you know so they need this help they need um, the medical supplies the medication that they're lacking um, and of course there's places that they that we can get this from locally in Ukraine too um, and we've got teams doing that and there's other organizations doing that but 
because there are so many people who want to help here and there's actually a lot of the specialist equipment from hospitals um, some amazing hospital trusts are do, do, are donating vent, ventilators to us are donating you know um, ultrasound scanners which are just would save so many lives and if they're donating that this is here now you know we can get that across for them we've got now the ambulances we've got other transport we've got planes through um, uh, medical aid Ukraine and lunar aid so we've got the capability to to support these people who can actually then, are, are, well, are they risking their lives to mm. get this stuff out to places that desperately need it. How are the hospitals coping? Um, the places that are um, under attack are really, really struggling. They have got theatres set up in basements. So I saw some photos early, earlier today of an um, obstetrics theatre that was set up in the basement. So everything that you'd expect to be sterile, you know, there's all the um, walls, you know, and um, floors are all covered, you know, but just, just, just aren't in a great kind of a condition, really. You know, um, the e equipment they're using is really old and battered and and um it's probably damaged so um it's yeah it's it's just horrible you know so they are they need all the help they can get mm, i mean when you're here and you're doing what you're doing here you must also feel totally helpless in so many ways absolutely yes no i feel i feel like i i can't believe still what's going on um it's it's absolutely devastating to think that people's lives have just been destroyed like that um, and but the aid I'm getting out it makes me feel like if I can just save one or two lives with this then it gives me that little sense of peace maybe for just two two you know two seconds of my time that I can think I'm making I'm making a difference over there and this is what you know people can feel that too so if I if I tell people that look if you just don't donate do, donate us what you can whether it's money or whether it's contacts or whether it's medical supplies or help us with transport or help even just help even just help me pack pack some boxes on one afternoon you know um, that will help me that will help us help people in Ukraine. How long have you been out of Ukraine and the UK then now yourself? So I've been living here for 29 years now. So I came over with uh, my parents when I was four. They work in science and they were offered um, placements here basically when they were uh, when they visited for a conference. So basically we just moved over. Um, so mum and dad are here with you, are they? Yes, that's right. What about family, other family back in Ukraine? Um, everyone else lives back in Ukraine still. We used to visit them um, every year before COVID hit and mm. I've not seen anyone now since 2019. Mm. And... Has the conflict, in fact, in, had, had an impact on your own family in terms of hurt, damage, losses or whatever? So we're very lucky that no one's been hurt. So um, we were trying to convince them. Well, we would we, we would have liked them to have left the Ukraine completely and come and stay with us because mm -hmm. then we know they're safe. But um, managed to get my grandma to agree to that. So actually before the war started in February, she came over. She actually mm -hmm. came, came over on the 23rd the day before the war started she finally got her her visa then but um the others they with our support and encouragement um escaped from kiev um just before kind of um uh things got really really bad in the areas around kiev um and um luckily you know so they they, they were safe um my uh granddad has now returned to kiev um and thankfully his house is okay and he's very very happy he's uh, not listening to us in the slightest when, when we say mm. to stay away and stay safe um the rest of my family um their house is in the outskirts of kiev um one of the areas that was attacked quite badly um they've still not returned they keep saying they might do and then every week um they 
I decide not to, but I've got a young cousin who's one year old and I'm not sure. I, I, I don't think it's a good idea for them to go back personally. I'd love them to come and live with us. Mm. I wonder what Grandma feels about it all. I mean, she must be feeling desperate about you know, having been part and parcel of the Ukrainian way of life and stuff and how she must be feeling right now. Yeah, so she's um, she really would love to go back. She she was um, a builder by trade, so she was an owner of a building company, and uh, mm. um, so she 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 could be you know she she I, I probably can see that she would love to just go and rebuild houses for people and help mm. help with everything, but. Um, you know, and not knowing what's happened to her house, um, the one that so this house they built from scratch. You know, um, when they first moved to to, to the Kiev area, uh, what 50, 60 years ago. So, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally worthless destruction, isn't it? When you look at areas that are being hit by the Russians and being destroyed, basically, you know, you've, you're looking at areas that were buildings and no longer just basically destroyed buildings, frack ground. And you think to yourself, well, why? What's it achieving? Where were you going? Did, I mean, did they ever really expect this or did it just happen? I mean, I think the Russians wanted to come and dis destroy our way of life. They wanted to come and um, make us feel that what we were standing for, our culture, our history, our language, was all rubbish. And how dare we even try to say to say that we're not Russians? And um, so that's why they they decided to purposefully bomb civilian homes, not caring who they were hitting. I mean, 135 hospitals have been attacked in Ukraine. I mean, how, how can they say they're only targeting military targets? I mean, that's mm. so ridiculous. Mm. Um, so they are obviously t uh, targeting normal people. And what I read the other day was that 500,000 kilometres of land of Ukraine has got mines on it. So the Russians, as they were leaving, they put mines underground specifically to harm people because they wanted people to suffer and to keep suffering even after they'd gone. Mm. This is not a simple, you know, what Putin's calling it, military operation to weed out Nazis, Nazism. I mean, none of us are Nazis. This is ridiculous, you know. Well, where, where do you imagine somebody like Putin gets this idea from? I mean, where is it coming from in the first place? I mean, you know, I, it's understanding what goes on in his mind and what makes him think that he can do what he's doing. I mean, I certainly don't think he's very well ment uh, mentally, but at the same time, this is the sort of thing that Russians have been been told since they were born, that, um, you know, they are the only country and that everybody else around them who was part of the Soviet Union should still be part of the Soviet Union. And how dare they say no? And this is this kind of egocentric feeling that... Um, you know, the, a, a Ukraine to them has always been uh, a, a, a secondary nation, a nation of people who, who should be, should not be there. And how dare they even be here telling me that they exist. So to, to kind of go in and um, do what they're doing, it, it, you know, you can see why they're doing it because they know they can and they want to show that they can and also they want to show the world that what they can do to scare people to scare people to show them look if we do this um you can't do anything about it you know and just don't you know don't you even dare cross us because it will happen to you but the resilience that is led by Zelensky in Ukraine is overwhelming the, the resilience to the situation which you clearly don't want to be part of don't didn't want to ever happen but you're being put through all this hell basically for one's man determination to do whatever he feels he should be able to do and can do
Oh yes, I mean he and the rest of the Ukrainian people who are still there and and here as well. I mean people are inspirational and I think we keep each other going um, every day I talk to different people you know um, who are doing something to help the effort you know I mean um, local people here part of ambulance aid people who care Andy Hawkins who's driven over mm. to Ukraine in, in you know with loads of trucks of aid um, just people who really really care um, and um, and it's just this a collective sort of um, I suppose love for mm-hmm. e- each other i mean i don't think anybody in the, even putin's um, mad uh hopes <laughs> um are ever going to be- you know are ever going to beat that down because whatever happens at the end of the war i can't really predict but i know that there will still be people like that like zelensky like i don't know me <laughs> who care and who want to continue the this kind of passion you know the kind of love for 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 other people to try to keep us going i think for all of us who are being observers we see this determination uh, of the ukrainians behind lezensky lezensky himself basically but i think the one thing that we hope at the end of the day that reason will be actually take control of the situation and put it right for everybody because you know at the moment i think most of us believe that this is absolutely wrong yeah yeah i hope so too i mean again i i can't really predict every day i keep thinking maybe you know maybe this will happen maybe that will happen but i think knowing how this is this is the problem with putin i think he's unpredictable you know nobody expected him to go ahead and do this and now um nobody knows what he's going to do so we're all sort of you know in fear of this tyrant who's really got the world under his thumb right now um hopefully hopefully something will happen some kind of change will happen and um yeah as i say sense will um mm. prevail and take yeah take a, a control of things but um, yeah, we just have to kind of live with that uncertainty for the, for the moment and uh, do what we can, what we are what we are in our power to do, um, and keep hoping and praying. I think the global reaction is that everybody is behind Ukraine and wants to see Ukraine come through this and become an even better nation after it's all sorted out. But in the meantime, obviously, we want to make sure we can get hold of ambulances to help you with this ambulance aid program. How many ambulances have you got at the moment? So at the moment we've got three um, and we've sent two last month so two ambulances went to the south of Ukraine and are now being used um, and uh, it, they were both filled with uh, essential medical supplies so trauma equipment, um, medication um, and um, yeah we're hoping to send two more this month and then there's also the BBC uh, donated Holby City ambulance to us that we um, are going to send probably later on uh, maybe next month but um, yeah yeah. But I mean, there are ambulances that are out there could become available at some point to help support what you're doing at the moment. Oh, yes, absolutely. There's still lots of ambulances for sale in lots of auction houses. Uh, lots of dealers are selling them. So it's just, um, yeah, um, people, if, if people want to, to fundraise to support us, either to donate to Ambulance Aid or to, to set up their own mm. fundraiser, lots of people have expressed that interest that, um, and we can help them with that. So we, we, we can help people set up a fundraiser um, and um, get drivers. We can sort out things like insurance and getting the embassies approval to get 
um, to get ambulances out and to obviously direct them to where they're needed. And whenever we send um, supplies or ambulances, we always ask for photos, um, both when they get there and also actually later on. So one month on, earlier today, I had a pic I had the picture of our ambulance being used. So um, you know, it's great to f to see that they're making a difference. So if you've got an ambulance give it to you guys and let you get on with your lives yes <laughs> well that would be really helpful if somebody's got one in their backyard <laughs> but as i say if you don't you know um fundraising i mean they're probably about i don't know um the cheapest ones we've seen are maybe sort of seven thousand um most mm. expensive up to twelve thousand but there's no point spending that much on them but yeah you can you know you can buy one um and um we can yeah we can get it sent over mm. Can I just wish you all the very best and hope that maybe this situation will resolve itself sooner rather than later. But I'm sure that anybody who's listening to this will appreciate the hell that you're going through personally in trying to sort of help support, obviously, family, friends and, and, and everybody back in the Ukraine at the same time. Thank you so much. No, I mean, I really appreciate being able to, you know, tell my story and um, to obviously tell people about what we're doing because, as I say, I, I, I can see it making so much difference. Mm. I think knowing that you're Ukrainian, I'm sitting with you here in, a, in, a, in the backwaters of Warwick and we're talking about, and you know, you've got obviously your family are over here, but you've obviously got maybe friends back in Ukraine or whatever. And just the fact that we're sitting here in your back garden, basically, having a chat about this is almost unreal. But at the same time, there's a real situation that needs to be sorted out. And if we can help you in any way, we'll do the very best we can. Thank you so, so much.